When we look at our message today and we talk about a passage of Scripture which is one of the most familiar passages, it's found in Romans chapter 8. I'll be referring to verses 26 through 32. It's a passage about getting a different perspective on our life. And as I was getting ready for my message, my mind went back this last week to a time when I was probably in middle school, living in North Dakota, and it was the annual county fair that we would go to each year. It was in the little town of Wapiton, a town of about three to 5,000 people. And what my dad always did, every year when we went to the fair, he always gave me the same amount of money, like a couple dollars that we could spend back then, that would be plenty for everything, and he gave me warnings of what to spend my money on and what not to spend my money on. He said, remember those guys who are out on the midway? They're going to make you think that you can win something, but trust me, you never will. So year after year, I would walk by them and would avoid playing their games. But this year, of course, you know, you know what I did. I stopped at one of them right at the beginning of my getting there to the fair, had my money in my pocket, put down my first quarter, then my second, then my third, then my fourth, then my fifth, then my sixth, then my seventh. I had 25 cents left. I was out of money. That was it. I was done. I felt awful. Why, here I was here at the county fair, and now I had no money left to do anything. All I had was a quarter left in my pocket. Walked around, discouraged, thinking I should have listened to my parents. I now didn't get to go on any of those fun rides. And I walked by a big building, and it said, Fun House. Hmm, that didn't look like the normal thing that I would go to, but it was the only thing I remember at that time that I could still afford. So I took my last little bit of money, it might have even been a dime, it was very little, handed it to the person and I walked in and I noticed that there weren't a lot of people, it was more adults that were going in and I walked in as a kid and it was a room full of mirrors. How many of you have ever been in a fun house? Okay, well I got lost in the fun house. From the concave to the convex mirrors to the windows that I could look through, I started getting almost a sense of panic. I was in there somewhere, and I turned to the left, I turned to the right, I'd see people, I didn't know where they were, and finally, I just held up against the mirrors, walked out, took a sigh of relief, and thought, that really wasn't fun at all. It was really more just kind of scary. Why do they call it the fun house? And of course, now I had no money, and I was left at the fair for a few hours. I like to think of life being sometimes like a funhouse. We've all had that same experience. We're in somewhere, and all of a sudden, all the rules that we hope were going to be there, all the things that we think are going to be there, all the assumptions that we have just aren't there. We see things, we think they're going to be a certain way, we try to figure it out for ourselves, and we can get that same kind of panic feeling that I had as a kid, going, where do I turn? I think this is what it looks like. How do I go here? Mirrors are many times the things that distort reality. In our lives at those times, when we get feeling like that, we need help. The truth is, we always need help. Because life itself can be like a fun house. We do not know what the rest of today has to offer us. We don't know what tomorrow has to offer us. We have no guarantees and promises in the scripture that says that everything's going to go the way that we would like it to go. Now, we may think that that's what it means to be a Christian, but that is not what it is. No matter what we face, no matter what comes our way, we know 
that on our own, we will have a hard time navigating everything. That's why Romans 8 is one of those passages of Scripture that is just great to go back and look at, to try to help us get out of the funhouse, to get a different perspective on how we live, and to realize that God can and will do a work in and through us that will help us navigate those difficult times. Now, before I go further, have any of you ever had those moments where you thought, oh my goodness, how did I get here? How am I going to get out of here? What does life have to offer? Let's show hands. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in those moments. And again, the scripture helps us. Because the first thing we need to acknowledge is our vision is distorted. As much as we don't like that, that's the reality of life. That's why the Bible talks about original sin. It's this entire idea that we ourselves, I've, I heard it one time described, are like an etch-a-sketch. You remember making that perfect little picture of an etch-a-sketch? Just jiggle it a little bit, and that's pretty much what our lives become, distorted. We kind of see, we kind of know, we sort of see how things are, but then within it, somehow, there's a reality beyond what we can comprehend. So once we realize our lives are distorted and our vision isn't accurate, we hear passages like Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. Amen, folks? Amen. We face these moments in our life, we don't even know what to say. We pause ourselves before God and we're like, God, I know you have a plan. I know you have a purpose. I know you're there. But I don't even know what to say today. What's going on? The word weakness is a Greek word, athenia, which means sickness. It's like our vision is ill. No reminds us of our spiritual vision, our very spiritual vision is ill. We go to church, we listen to a message, we go home, we have our devotions, we read the Bible, we pray, and then we say, but there's still things that don't know what they are in my life and things that don't make sense. It's kind of like the first time, I'll go back to again, from my childhood, I started wearing glasses before I could read. One day, my parents discovered that I couldn't see things. So little Stanley got taken to the eye doctor when he was like five years old, and I went into the eye doctor, and the eye doctor put all these pictures up, and I couldn't tell what the pictures were. Then they put these little lenses on me, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, that is a bear. That, oh, that's a turtle. Oh, that's a dog. I got disappointed later. Once I learned how to read and I went back to the eye doctor and they were using letters, I wanted those pictures back. But I still remember getting those first black frame glasses. It's funny because they're now back in, in vogue today. You know, they used to be the old-fashioned thing. Getting my first little pair of glasses, putting them on when they finally arrived after they were made, and going, wow, <laughs> that's what everybody else is seeing. What do we do when we have trouble seeing? We need God's perspective on our lives. See, if we really are all kind of in a fun house, and I do believe it's a wonderful metaphor for understanding much of what happens in lives, we need to have some help. 
Therefore, Romans 8 reminds us that the Holy Spirit is there to join with us to give us help, which is why it's so important as Christians to be attuned in our faith to letting the Holy Spirit guide us and being able to, at times in our lives, let go of things and say, God, I don't even know how to navigate this, but I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to trust that you're there for me and you can take care of it and you can do better than I can because the second thing about the funhouse is in the funhouse of life, the Holy Spirit can see reality. Even when we can't, God can We talk to people in recovery about the first three steps of getting their lives together is to say, I can't, God can, I'll let him. I can't, God can. Hear that? God can. It's an important thing to remember at those moments in your life when you don't know where to turn, what to do, how to manage, is to stop and say, maybe my vision may be messed up, but the Holy Spirit can see. Verse 26 continues, but, I always like the but. Remember the first part? I can't see. I don't even know what to pray, the Bible tells us. Paul's writing to the church at Rome, and he's saying, remember, there's times we don't even know what to say, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit sees and intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit has a perspective on your life that even when you don't know what to say, the Bible's promising you that if you are a believer and a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, at those times when you don't even know what to say or I don't even know what to say, that there's someone else praying for us and that one who's praying for us is the Holy Spirit and he knows reality even when we don't. That's quite a promise. Amen, church? That even when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit intercedes. Intercedes means pleads our cause. Think of that next time you're facing something that's difficult or a struggle in your life and thinking, I just wish there was somebody to advocate for me and someone to make things better and take a moment and pause and say, wait a second. The Holy Spirit knows more than I know and the Holy Spirit is talking to God the Father and interceding on my behalf and saying, listen, this is what this person needs. Intercedes with groanings. Groanings. Deep, unspoken words. There's times in which Christians will be in a moment in our life when we don't even know what to say, and it's like a moaning or a groaning. Some people think that this is a reference to speaking in tongues. It's a whole idea that there's a reality beyond what you and I can even comprehend, and the Holy Spirit is there doing it. And if you've had those moments where you just feel that overwhelming thing and there's something else there, that's the Holy Spirit. It's there to give us comfort. It's there to help us in those moments in which we don't know what to do, that God is doing a work. And it takes courage and to acknowledge that. For it goes on in verse 28 and says, For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, it's a different perspective. It's a way of realizing at those moments when you and I think, I don't know how this happened again. I don't know how I got here. I don't know where to turn. To realize not only is the Holy Spirit speaking words beyond what I can comprehend, but God's doing something that even the bad things in my life, the really awful things in my life, 
that God's going to take them and bring something good out of them, even if I can't comprehend what that is. Even if I don't know how God's going to do that, it's an assurance to know that he will. You know, this is one of the great promises of the Bible. That at those moments in our life when things seem all askew and the Holy Spirit understands and I don't and he's pleading before God the Father and all I can do is groan and wonder what's going on, that the promise is there that God's going to bring something good out of those moments. Amen. At those moments when you don't know how can this get any worse, God says, oh no, even the worst of what's going to happen, I'm going to use to make something great. It's a promise that comes out of the Old Testament from when Joseph gets sold into Egypt and his brothers, remember the story? Eleven brothers take him and they put him in a well and they finally sell him as a slave to the Egyptians and eventually they go and they tell their father that Joseph is dead, all the while Joseph is rising in the ranks in this country in which he's been sold into slavery, but then he gets thrown into prison, but then he comes out of prison and eventually, as the story ends at the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph is now the second most important person in Egypt, and these brothers who sold him into slavery have to come in and have to plead before him and have to realize that they go before their brother who they had gotten rid of and tried to almost kill, and now he has their destiny. And they're sitting there shaking in their boots going, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? He certainly is going to be out for revenge. And Joseph looks at them and says, no, No, not at all. You intended this to hurt me. You intended this for harm. You did some bad things. But God turned it for good. Look where I am now. I'm the second most powerful man in Egypt. And I'm in the place where I get to save my family's life. And I get to provide food for you. Hear the point? Hear the point? We look at stuff and see it messed up. We look at things and it doesn't make sense. We look at things and only know that the Holy Spirit's out there pleading and praying for us. But in this fun house, God sees a reality beyond what we can see. And God's doing something great, even with the bad stuff in our lives. Our vision is distorted. In the fun house, the Holy Spirit can see reality. So what can we do? Look to Christ. Look at Christ. Look at your Savior and who Jesus is. Don't just come to church and look at the cross. Certainly important to do it then, but throughout your day, throughout your week, when things are difficult, take a moment and look to the cross and think about who Jesus is. Because the text finally says, remember, what can we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us anyhow? For he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things seeing what christ did for you and for me gives us clarity for god loves you so much god loves you so much that if you were the only person on this planet who ever did anything wrong he would have given his son to die for you personally to forgive you and to take care of you. The word that's used here is the word grace. It's the idea that God shows favor to us. God not only takes the tough times in our life and allows us to realize there's a reality beyond it, not only helps us realize that the Holy Spirit sees what we can't see, but he showers grace upon us. 
He goes beyond anything we can imagine. The very one who gave his son for you also intends everything for your benefit, for our good. It got me thinking of the last thing about my story. Remember little Stanley who ran out of money at the fair? I ended up in the fun house. I came out and now I was penniless. A destitute middle schooler walking aimlessly through the streets of a fair in Wapenan, North Dakota until I ran into my dad. I probably burst into tears, but I do remember saying to him, I didn't listen to you, Daddy. I wasted all my money, and I feel really awful because the fair only comes to, to town once a year. And my dad had grace, just like God has on us. And to this day, I remember my father opening his wallet, taking out the exact same amount of money he gave to me before, saying, I'm really glad you learned your lesson. Now go enjoy yourself today at the fair. That's what God does for us, folks. That's the message of today. That when we look at things from our perspective, it maybe is all messed up. We may think it's crazy and distorted and we're in a fun house and it doesn't make sense, but our Heavenly Father loves us abundantly. And the Holy Spirit can see to navigate and he's praying for us and he's advocating for us and he's giving us a different perspective. And now at those moments when we are discouraged and distraught and wondering where do we turn, we have a Heavenly Father who is far more gracious than even my father was and my father was very gracious to his children who says, you're loved, you're forgiven. You not only have a new opportunity, but here's a gift for you to live your life. I invite you as we close our service today to bow your heads with me. If you'd like to have prayer for something that's going on in your life, Alona and I are going to be here in the front of the church. There are times in our life when we don't know what to do to navigate the things that we have to face. And if that's where you are today and you'd like somebody to pray for you to say, you know, I feel like I'm in a place where I just don't understand what's going on then we invite you to come forward for prayer. Just let us offer to you an opportunity to realize that God is doing for you and for me things we can't even imagine. And let's take our concerns and hand them over to our Heavenly Father. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that at those times when our lives can feel so twisted and distorted that we can still turn to you and trust in you. If there are things in our lives this morning that we bring that make no sense, help them be given to you. Help us know that your spirit is praying with groans too deep for us to even comprehend. And help us realize today that you have a plan to graciously, graciously take even the worst stuff that we faced in our lives and use it to bring about good to not only help us, but to allow our lives to help others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.